Welcome to another episode of Behind the Sport. And uh, coming off a weekend where I spent it down at Wanneroo Raceway volunteering with the officials there uh, to see how their life is and um, fantastic opportunity that, uh, you know, obviously I was able to enjoy uh, and learn from. And um, stay tuned to BehindTheSport.net, which has just had another refresh. I think that's about a three millionth redo. Um, but stay tuned to BehindTheSport.net. Uh, there's going to be a bit of a video coming up and um, you'll be able to see what it got up to, including uh, cleaning up an oil spill all the way from the pit exit all the way back to pit entry. Although luckily I only had to do part of that. Um, the rest of the team uh, that was there pretty much looked after most of the rest of the track. Now, turning to this week's guest, um, staying on the commentator tip, we had Chris Mitchell on last episode, and uh, this week we've got another of the commentator variety, and we've got Sean McCabe. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Shane. It's uh, interesting hear you uh, speak about your adventures up there at Wanneroo Raceway. I can assure, I can imagine you would have been amongst friends up there. They would have been rubbing their hands together having you up there, would they? I think they were hoping <laughs> to put me through some more stuff. But, um, I reckon they'll get their opportunity one day. Yeah, look, I I think, um, to be honest, I think I'm probably going to go back again and do it again. Like, it was yeah, such I think you an should. awesome opportunity. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. And it was weird, you know, not having my camera yeah. and, you know, the team with me to, you know, document, you know, what we'd be usually doing. We did have one camera up there for a little while um, just to sort of, you know, so we could put a bit of a piece together. Yep. Um, but... Yeah, no camera in my hand, so that was weird. No, we noticed that. In actual fact, you're really uh, working one arm there for the day, I noticed. Uh, you said that uh, there was an oil spill that ran approximately two and two kilometres of the track and that <laughs> you helped to clean it up. Well, on the vision, you sort of do one-handed for about a metre and a half of it the two kilometres of track. It wasn't just staged for the camera. I was actually out there for a while before the camera Oh, up. yes. Oh, that's, that's not what I've heard, actually. <laughs> yeah, well... I don't care who you've been speaking to, they're full of crap. But um, look, this episode's about you, not about me. Oh, and okay. I tend to say that actually a lot um, on these things. You know, somehow it always ends up turning around be a little bit about me. But um, well, look, um, commentator, Upper Perth Motorplex, that's uh, where I've met you. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But um, I believe you've got a bit more of a history than that. So let's get right into it. So. Tell me, how did you get? How did you find out your love for motorsport? Well, that's uh, tell you what. I'm glad we've got a bit of time up our sleeves. That uh, it's a really long one. Basically, I guess I grew up playing ball sports. Like water polo was my summer sport, and football was my winter sport. But I always loved car racing and motorbike racing. Whenever I saw it on TV, or I was lucky enough to go to Speedway, Dad would take us to Speedway, my brother and I, on Friday nights, and we'd be at. Um, uh, we'd be at the drag racing down there at uh, Ravenswood on Saturday night and occasionally on a Sunday afternoon we'd be at Wanneroo Raceway. So we're always involved in that. If it wasn't football or, or um, our, our sports that we did, we are at the racetrack. And uh, I just had this thing, I just loved the, the sounds and experiences of being at the track for motorsport. And I guess um, I come from a spectator's point of view in that I'm not a racer. I haven't raced. Uh, I grew up not having the budget. Also, uh, my occupation, I'm a welder by trade. So um, my uh, my 
when I left school, it was all about buying a, buying a car, then buying a house, and I just got focused in that. And I um, racing just wasn't part of my life, unfortunately. Although it was one of those things I always wanted to do. I remember getting into uh, getting up to Dad and saying, "Look, Dad, I want to do go karting when I get older." And he said, "Oh yeah, no worries, son. You know, as soon as you finish your apprenticeship and you can afford to buy everything for yourself, <laughs> you can do what you want, son. You know." And I was no, like, "No bank no banker, mum or dad." <laughs> no, no, that's right. No, unfortunately not. And, um, you know, it was, it was kind of disappointing. I guess that was one thing I really wanted to do more, more than anything. Um, you know, I used to run around kicking a footy and playing water polo, but I guess with my physique, I probably wasn't suited to those sorts of sports. Um, but, um, yeah, I just absolutely love motorsport. It's something you just can't describe. I guess it's the smells as part of it. And also, I guess just growing up and loving cars, just as a kid looking at cars and seeing uh, your, you know, your parents' cars and your, your friends, uh, your, your friends' parents, all different cars cars and just thinking wow that's great and uh just wanting to, you know i like cars when they're stationary but i prefer when they're moving and when they're moving they should be racing and i think that's <laughs> what cars were designed to do sure it was transport but to me cars and bikes were designed for racing now anyone that knows you would probably be a bit surprised to hear about water polo was yes and if uh, you you had uh, yes, especially if they look at my physique. Well, look, I wasn't I wasn't uh, referring to the physique as being the uh, the reason why they'd probably be shocked, but that's so far away from motorsport. It is indeed. Yeah, what got you into water polo? I have to ask. Yeah, well, I guess okay. Well, basically, uh, always loved swimming as a kid. Um, my brother and I were swimmers. We were uh, swimming pool swimmers. We didn't live by the ocean, unfortunately, um, but we just loved our swimming. And um, I had a, I actually had knee injuries when I was a young lad. I think I had my first knee operation at the age of twelve. Would you believe? Um, I think it was twelve, maybe thirteen. I think it was twelve thereabouts. Um, and the doctor said to me, they said, look, um, you know, football is not going to be your future. Swimming is. And uh, and I was part of the uh, Victoria Park uh, Swimming Club and uh, they used to train at uh, Somerset Street Pool and there was a water polo club there called uh, Calamunda Water Polo Club, which eventually became Somerset Water Polo Club. And I went along as a strong swimmer, joined them, found out I had um, I was a big kid for my age and a big uh, young person for my age. So uh, water polo is um, a lot about fast swimming, but it's also about a lot of strength in the water. And uh, I was, I guess, I was just one of those water babies um, who just uh, just grew up in the in the pool. I guess my brother was the was the runner. I was the swimmer. And uh, water polo was something that was huge, and I just became very good at it. Well, say I take that back. I became okay at it. Um, actually joined, made the um, uh, state under 18 squad when I was 17 years of age, uh, travelled to Tasmania with the team. That was the uh, pinnacle of, uh, of my career, that's for sure. That was a, a special experience. How did you guys go over there? Well, actually, WA won the championships yep. on that particular year. I think it was 1982-83. Uh, we won the championships. Let's give you your age here. Yes, I know. I realised that. I was trying not to. <laughs> and that was... Um, I won't tell you how old I was then. No, no you probably weren't <laughs> even born. Uh, but that was um, going back... I see. Uh, you wanted two beers, was it? Or yeah, was two it beers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was one of those signs. Um, and, yeah, so um, just uh, we beat New South Wales in the final... Um, that was in Tasmania, so travelling to Tasmania with the team was, was something special. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I all, 
always always loved motorsport and uh oh you know when i eventually uh, bought my house and uh, or effectively owned my house i did want to get into motorsport then i'd probably left my run a little bit late uh, mm. but just always uh, you know if there was ever formula one or anything on television i'd always watch it no matter how late at night no matter how early i had to get up the next day to go to work it was always about the motorsport i just loved it it's hard to explain one thing before we get on to motorsport yes. again I've got to ask, is water polo as vicious as some people say it is? Look, it pretty much is, yes, is indeed. Is biting and oh, pulling your swimsuits? Well, no, um, not so much the biting. Okay, so the biting is probably more um, Hollywood. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty much a lot of elbowing, uh, punching, kicking, um, holding people underwater and uh, and laying in with the boots. It's um, It's been described as a cross between soccer um, we'll say soccer, rugby in a swimming pool. Yeah. And that's kind of a good way of describing it. But yeah, it is a, and theoretically, water polo is a non contact sport. Well, that's what I, theoretically. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've seen, <laughs> yeah. I've seen some videos where it shows that it's definitely not. Absolutely, but, um, yeah. yeah. And it's like a duck that's, you know, it might look all nice and peaceful on the surface, but what's going on underneath the surface is yeah. pretty full on. Yeah, um, right. And probably a sport that actually suited me, I guess, you know. <laughs> uh, one of those people who is a very placid person, but had a little bit of white line fever once across the white line, or dive into a, a water polo pool and started to get a little, yeah, started to um, equal things up a little bit yeah so placid outside of the pool and uh, uh the opposite inside the pool so you spend time growing up around the various tracks in wa and you know, it was the wannery raceway um claremont speedway and uh ravenwood raceway yeah, yeah. um and of course the those two which later merged to become the perth motorplex but um what were some of your fondest memories let's let's go to ravenswood first what's some of your fondest memories of ravenswood you know, as a spectator yeah indeed and that's where i where i come from as a spectator probably uh, being a look there's a couple one was i remember being with with dad uh mum was at home because it was a long way to drive to because uh, we lived in victoria park so it was a long way to go to uh, ravenswood but well worth the journey and i think um i guess some aspects of Ravenswood were annoying, and the viewing wasn't terrific. We don't have, you don't have the sort of uh, banked amphitheatre that the Perth Motorplex has, so viewing was a bit tough. Um, and it was a long journey there. It was a long journey home. I think just the one of the memories of being with my brother and my dad was just really special. I sort of still I still remember like looking down at dad, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> my brother and I grew, grew taller than our father, and uh, you know I think it was just part of that. And uh, dad um, have had mates from work who used to go to the drags also and Speedway. But um, as far as specific memories of specific races, not really. No, I just, um, I guess I just loved it all. And uh, then later on when we, after we, you know, we didn't uh, go with Dad, used to go with mates and it was a full day's journey down there and back. Um, but it, it's funny how now um, being in commentary, I start to remember some of the names and uh, not so much the faces because most of the races wear helmets. And if they don't, well, you don't race. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so many of the names, you know, like uh, the Mos Milosevic, for instance, uh, Treasure, Board, uh, Brown. There's so many really good names, and uh, even like uh, you know, what, Corey Marriott, for instance. I do remember his dad, Michael. Uh, I think it was Michael going back in the day, but I remember the name. And uh, but yeah, for me, it was just purely as a spectator. And remember, I was always said I was a bit of a shy sort of a person, um, but sort of just stayed away. But just really enjoyed uh, that aspect of, uh, of Ravenswood and you just couldn't believe how fast and how loud these cars were 
you know, um, you sort of used to used to cars up and down the streets, and then once you go to the drags, it's like, wow, man, this is loud. Yeah, yeah. And bring it on. <laughs> Let's turn up the volume. <laughs> Come on, Dad, make some modif- modifications to your car on the way home, you know? <laughs> Do the old uh, screwdriver through the exhaust <laughs> trick. Exactly. <laughs> the muffler. That's right, the old Toyota <laughs> Land Cruiser. But, yeah, just, yeah, can't speak highly enough of Ravenswood. But uh, the venue we have today, obviously, uh, is richly deserved. Um, now, I'd say probably the theme would continue, you know, Claremont Raceway. Exactly. Be more about the people and the... It certainly was. Yeah. It was the same again. Um, I think from memory, we uh, either used to go there uh, with... Uh, I don't think mum used to go. I think it was mainly just uh, my dad and my brother would go along. And I think we used to take dad's old HT uh, utility used to for his work ute. So just the three of us across the bench seat at the front. And he used to park it somewhere around there, Claremont, and uh, going there. But it was there again, uh, real nighttime sport. And I guess, you know, going back, and if you realise how old I actually am, you realise going back, I go back to the days when they used to turn the streetlights off at midnight so i remember that happening so when you're to go to say claremont speedway for instance and there's racing under lights at night it's like wow i mean football wasn't played under lights at night back then cricket wasn't but we had motorsport and speedway and it was super spectacular um i guess one of the things you know getting the dirt in your eyes and that sort of stuff used to annoy you a little bit and uh but the characters are involved back then and uh you know i just remember well, sort of forgotten a lot of the names. I remember the names like Priolo. Um, uh, just so many of the old-fashioned names I remember. And, of course, the voice of Speedway was Con Migro. And um, he would, I, I guess what I'm saying is if you're at the track at Claremont Speedway, you could close your eyes or turn your back to the track and just listen to Con and you would you would visualise the racing through Con Migro's voice. Um, I guess that's another thing that really sticks in my mind about uh, about Speedway in particular, not only being at night, but the voice of Con Migro. Yeah. I think for anyone that uh, went to Claremont, you know, no matter what year it was, Con was always, yeah, the, the voice of Speedway. It certainly was. And then even, you know, obviously went across the Perth Motorplex and, and of course, he retired last season. Well, season before. How do we talk? Yeah, last season before because it's yeah. just finished the last season. So, yes. Yep. Um, you know, and you, you hate to always put it on people, but you hate to say, you know, like there's some big shoes to fill. Oh, yes. Because, you know, especially in commentary, everyone has their own style and that. But yep. to bring that same emotion and passion that Con had. Yes. You know, well, I should say has because, you know, it's definitely not in the past. No but, way. Um you know, that kind of has around Speedway. Um, something hard to beat. And even the promos and everything for Speedway was, you know, always con and always, you know, the, the old Friday night is Speedway night. Absolutely. You know, you, yep. You'd hear that, you'd hear yep. the start of the ad and you'd just be I waiting know. for it at the end, you know. You'll be there. Yep. It's just the most classic uh, war cry, I guess you could call it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, Con did a, a massive amount 
for not only motorsport but especially speedway here in Western Australia over the what the 60 odd years he was involved with it um, but yeah I guess you know that's another one of the uh, reasons I wanted to get into commentating was uh, was Con Migro but yeah what a legend of the sport and uh, talk about stood the uh, the test of time he certainly has and uh, this, oh, the other thing is there's some great uh, young commentators coming along at the moment for speedway and drag racing and they're setting the world alight but uh, you're right they've got massive uh, shoes to fill when they get us uh, when they uh, sit in the uh, seat there of uh, Con Micro, the commentary box mm. at the uh, Speedway. The, um, the circuit racing, which um, yes. you know, I, I see you up at Wanneroo. Yes, you know, every every race meet almost, yes. and just sort of usually in turn one, just sort of taking right. it all in down there. Um, any fond memories from up at Wanneroo? Yes, many, many, and there again, go back with uh, Dad and my brother. Um, uh, yeah, just um, yeah, so so many, and I go back to before they redesigned the the, uh, the track with the infill pits, which has been okay, but in actual fact, in my opinion, it's um, ruined what was a good amphitheatre before they built the uh, the infilled uh, pit complex. But nonetheless, going back to that, my memories of that are basically a lot of the older cars, and I, I guess I'm talking about the historics, and also uh, a, a, a um, a phase I really enjoyed was when they had the Ford Sierras, yep. uh, Dick Johnson and John Bowne, the Ford Sierras. I guess what makes them stick in my mind more than any others, I'm not really sure. I guess it was just um, it was just they were a short, stubby little car with a, a small engine, but extremely loud. Um, and of course, of course, that's just you know your supercars or Australian touring cars as it was. Then there was also your monthly race meetings and uh, getting to see a lot of the uh, not not only the historic cars but um, the the vintage cars, for instance, that will come out. You know, vintage racing occasionally yep. up there. It's just magnificent to see the, the sort of vehicles you would expect to see in a museum um, actually out there in the racetrack rotating doing what they were designed to do and what they still do um but um yeah lots so much i mean i remember being uh, in in the hail there at um at Wanneroo raceway i remember seeing believe it or not and uh, the late rob janney uh, i spoke about this with him is that i remember seeing an airplane land on the pit straight at Wanneroo raceway yeah, wow. on at a lunch break at a typical monthly race meeting this is going back to possibly the 90s. I'm not sure if it was the 80s, late 80s, but definitely in the 90s. Um, and it was like a, a, um, a single air, a single engine aircraft, like a Cessna, for instance. And it literally landed on the uh, the straight there, was the old... Um, uh, the old pit straight there, I forgot the, uh, the sponsor name at the time, and um, then it, uh, the, the bloke went inside, turned the engine off, went inside, they all sort of knew him, uh, he turned around and 20 minutes later he took off on the pit <laughs> straight, it's one of those things you got to see. I also got to see uh, John Zapier uh, do some hot laps in his uh, top door slammer around Wanneroo Raceway. Yeah, wow. Uh, exactly, and that was in 2000. They're not built to turn. No, no indeed, but this was a 2010 and it was the HQ now Nationals. Yeah. Now, how appropriate is that to have the fastest HQ in the world, John Zapier's, um, you know, uh, the the GTS Monaro, actually doing laps of Barbagello, and uh, there's, he also did a couple of burnouts down the main straight. But uh, yeah, I, I was there the day the fastest HQ in the world uh, rotated laps of Wanneroo Raceway. So those sorts of memories are just uh, you know super special. Um, the other really special memory for me and. Um, is uh, 
I was actually there at uh, Wanneroo Raceway for your typical monthly race meeting. And I used to either, as you say, I'd either be by turn one, say turn three, turn four, or over by turn seven. I remember one day I was over by turn seven and um, the message came over, the commentators said, and they said, oh, if anyone would like to have a go at, at being a commentator, just come up and knock on our door. Yeah, right. And I sort of thought about it because I, I used to play drums in a band. I did some DJ work and uh, I heard this come over the uh, the microphone. I sort of thought, gee, that I've always wanted to do that because I was one of those kids uh, who, when playing footy or cricket, we'd, my brother and I, we'd always be commentating the game of footy we were playing. You know, like if we were kicking the footy in the backyard, we'd be commentating it. If we were riding our bicycles down to the shop, we'd be commentating it. You know, we were just those sorts of kids. And I always wanted to, always loved uh, motorsport commentary and always thought, gee, I'd love to have a go at that. I'd just love to have a go at it, even if I was totally useless, which is what turned out to be the case. <laughs> but, you know, uh, even if a complete clucks, just go and have a go. So anyway, uh, I heard this message and uh, wanted a raceway. And uh, about a few months later, my mum passed away and so that sort of put everything on the on the back burner I sort of took me a while took me about a year and about a year later I went up the commentary box and I literally knocked on that door and uh, they opened it and uh, I said you know Uber Eats no that didn't go down well (laughs) and they said look uh, you know what are you here for I said well wouldn't mind having a go at commentary, you know? And they said, oh, yeah, come in, shut the door behind you. And uh, it was reintroduced themselves. There was Rob Haggerty and the late Rob Janney. Yeah. And it was like the two Robs. Easy to remember the name. Can't yeah. go wrong here. <laughs> and uh, and I, I just stood at the back of the room there and sort of watched what was going on, the very first uh, show, or the, the very first race meeting of the season. And um, and uh, I think it was Rob uh, Rob Janney said to me, he said, uh, come a bit closer. So I took half a step forward and he said, no, 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 come a bit closer. He said, come and stand up next to us, you know. Yeah. And I stood next to them and I noticed there was three microphones on the table and three headsets yeah. and there was Rob and there was Rob. So there's two. I wonder what the third one would be there for. <laughs> and uh, and Rob, uh, Rob uh, Janney said to me, he said, hey, put these on, put the headphones on. He said, and uh, here's the microphone, hold this. And he said, then he pointed up to the timing screen on the corner of the TV on the TV on the uh, corner of the room and he said that's the timing screen he said just call out from first down to 10 and i uh, said and he said yeah i just do it as part of the uh, as part of the show and you know they they uh, both robs called the race and they said now sean and you were commentator sean who's in first position and who's in the top 10 i called him out and then uh, so basically they got through that day and uh, then at the end of the day, I said, well, thanks, appreciate the uh, opportunity, fellas, you know, it was really nice. I realised I'm not cut out for it. And they said, what do you mean you're not cut out for it? And you're absolutely ideal. <laughs> and I said, are oh, you kidding me? You know, you're just, you know, blowing smoke up me. And I said, oh, no, no, not at all, you know. you." And they said, well, we'll see you next uh, next race meeting. And I was like, you're serious? You actually want me to come back? And they said, yeah. And uh, from that day on, it just well, went from strength to strength. And purely with the uh, the guidance of uh, Rob Haggerty and uh, the late Rob Jan, who uh, uh, became a mentor of mine, and I very much, uh, very much miss him. Um, uh, you know, he was um, he did so much for me, and was a, a great uh, influence and uh, teacher. Of uh, yeah. he was a re- really passionate not only not only, not only about the WA Sporting Car Club, about uh, motorsport commentary and motorsport itself. 
And uh, so that was the story of that. So they, they kept saying, come back and come back. And I completed my first season and uh, started the second season. It was absolutely magnificent. I couldn't believe uh, my luck. Um, and got to meet Monica Jakovic, worked with her. She uh, was one of the commentators. So it was, um, it was just a really, it was just magnificent. I couldn't believe how good it was. And it was something I always, always wanted to do. Um, it was um it's one of those amazing things, and I started uh, putting my own time into research and, uh, uh, yeah, basically doing research rather than just sort of turning up there and saying, okay, number one is in front of number two, when number seven yeah. is in front of number four, and, well, the green car's at the back, as you can see, folks. Yeah. You know, so I try to go a little bit beyond that and uh, know drivers' names and sponsors and a little bit about the machinery. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, that was something that I tried to do and enjoyed doing. And got to the third season, and uh, halfway through the third season, Rob Janney said that um, he'd, you know, he told me that he'd been diagnosed with um, uh, with pancreatic cancer, which um, unfortunately, and uh, three days, uh, sorry, three months after he was, <coughs> pardon me, diagnosed, he passed away, and uh, that was just devastating. Um, so I did the did three seasons with them, and of course, um, <coughs> pardon me, after Rob Janney passed away, the um, yeah, it sort of all went a little bit haywire there, and uh, I found myself on the outer. But fortunately, <coughs> pardon me for that, before Rob Jenny passed away, he said to me, he said, Sean, he said, um, I, uh, I think, you know, I, I think a lot of you uh, for coming along and having a go. And he said, he said, I think you've got potential as a commentator. He said, but um, when I'm not here, meaning Rob, he knew he was going to pass away. He said, um, you know, um, not everyone... Um, has the same uh, thoughts and uh, wants the best for you. And um, he did say that, uh, the, you know, it was going to be it's going to be difficult for me uh, when he wasn't there. And I sort of thought, you're kidding me. How, how, what do you mean? Sort of thing. I couldn't, couldn't work it out. Um, but when he um, passed away, ultimately passed away, yeah, I worked out that, um, yeah, I, uh, my future was bleak there. Um, and uh, so, but fortunately, in the meantime, Rob got together with uh, Les Cook and uh, the great Brett Stewart from Formula Tech Performance, mm-hmm. um, three magnificent gentlemen, and um, uh, made it made the opportunity or gave me the opportunity to uh, join the Perth Motorplex as a drag racing commentator, and uh, met Ray Treasure and the team there at the Perth Motorplex, and I've never looked back. I've never been happier. Yep. Um, so uh, it's funny how I, I thought that you know when that door at Wanneroo closed, I thought, well, oh, that's all it was was three years. Mm. Okay. And uh, fortunately, that door closed and multiple doors opened. And uh, so, yeah, being at the Perth Motorplex has been unbelievable. Getting to do drag racing commentary, um, burnout competitions, uh, even car shows, uh, doing Whoop Ass Wednesday, doing Fast Fridays. It is just amazing. And the people I've got to meet there and uh, the fellow commentators, and you spoke about some of the good commentators. Jeez, we have some of the best in, uh, in WA. And we've been producing some of the best motorsport commentators in WA. When you look at the likes of Chad Nalon, Benny Bishop, Matt Nolte, yeah. you know, the list just goes on and on, J-Mac. And now you've got young Christopher Mitchell who's setting the world on fire. And, of course, Josh Starling stepping up to the plate, Bridget Bell. You know, some of the best commentators in, in motorsport, probably Australia-wide, if not worldwide, are at the Perth Motorplex. You know, Corrie Marriott, really uh, first-class commentators, people that really know what they're talking about. Stu Bond, really good at their job. And it's been an amazing opportunity to get to uh, 
listen and learn from them. And I'm probably the oldest apprentice they've ever come across. Uh, but um, I, for me, it's just just got that passion, that absolute passion for uh, for motorsport. And uh, so that's the way the story began for me, for moving from being a spectator into being a motorsport commentator. And I think, I, yeah, so I just want to yeah. say a big thank you to Rob Haggerty and Rob Janney uh, from the WA Sporting Car Club. I think um, you did highlight something, you know, you've got a... In commentating, you know, you've obviously, you know, got people in their positions and, you know, who who are doing what they do. And the only way the future, and it, it's come, it's everything though. It's media, it's driving, it's officiating, anything in motorsport, you need to be bringing in other people, younger people, older people, you know, a different, different people to continue on, you know, motorsport absolutely because motorsport is bigger than one person yes correct yeah, and i hate to deviate across but lewis hamilton's finding that out at the moment yes for years you know he he's thought he's bigger than motorsport he's finding yeah. out he's not yeah and there's a lot there's a lot of people you see in motorsport at all various levels who have that mentality of you know i am bigger than motorsport yes and it's a shame because yeah you know they're fantastic people. Yep. They do fantastic things. Yep. But that one little thing lets them down. Yeah. You know, and when you're not welcoming of new talent or you know, different talent, um, you know, if it's because you feel threatened or whatever, you know, or you just purely are a dick and don't don't yeah. want anyone else up there. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in any position in motorsport, drivers, as I said, drivers, official media, um, you know, you're not really there for motorsport. No. And no. that's that's what the majority of the people you come across in motorsport, they're there for motorsport. Yes. You know, and you look at people like Rob Haggerty and Robert Janney. Yeah. You know, who, you know, I only met Rob towards the end of his life, unfortunately. Yes. Um, you know, and, yeah, comes came across very passionate about motorsport. Yep. Very passionate about, you know, diversifying and getting new talent and, you know, regardless of age or whatever, you know, age, sex, whatever, you know, give them a go, you know, try and help them get them, you know, get them to a certain level. Um, and, you know, that's where the Motorplex does really well. Um, yeah, but that's a, a, but the thing is that it's a commercial entity as well. Yeah, for sure. So yes. there's big bucks on the line with yeah. the Motorplex that, yep. you know, like they're not going to sit around and, you know, you go, well, well, let's leave the same two commentators in their jobs and, you know, oh, crap, what are we going to do? You know, they fall off the perch. Yeah, indeed. You know, yeah. so whereas, you know, when you've got a volunteer set up, it's, it's a completely different, you know, mindset of, you know, they, they're not too worried about, you know, succession planning, I guess. Yes, yeah, quite um, true, yep. You know, and, and you mentioned about the research and that, and, that, and you mentioned Monica Jakovic, and Monica I watched um, – I've seen, you know, in the pits yep. um, at various events, uh, big-ass notepad in her hand, wandering around, talking to everyone on test and shooting days. Yes, correct. Yep. Um, and, you know, although, like, okay, this is my personal take on, on Monica's style is very dry to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but she she does her research. Yes, yes. You know, so she's not just sitting there, you know, while I go, okay, you know, and the, you know maybe she just yelled a bit more like Chris or, but this is her style. Yeah. You know, like you pair up a Monica with a Chris 
and he got a dynamic duo. Yes, absolutely. You know? Yeah. But that's that's what it is. That's what commentating is all about. You have someone who people think maybe is a bit boring. Yep. But if they know what they're talking about, and they're backed up by someone who can scream and jump around and carry on, who also knows their shit. Yeah. It's perfect in commentary. Yeah, quite true. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's where you know you your Monica goes out, does the research and everything like that. Um, and yeah, I think it's um, yeah. a shame we don't see more of it. But you know, at the same time, we've got to have commentary teams that work can work together as well. Yeah, quite true. Yeah, you know, if you have yep. two two Chris's in a commentary box, I'll tell you what, that'd be so bloody annoying. Yes, for sure. <laughs> You'd yeah. be sitting there going, "Yeah, okay, can someone like dial down the red cordial?" Yeah, you know? yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, you know, and you have, and no offense, you you have two Sean's in the commentary box. You'd be going. Wake up! Can we have, can we have a Chris, please? You know, <laughs> and that but that's that's commentary. That's you know, there should always be the color commentator, you know, the, the the bright. Yeah, this is fantastic. You know, the 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 old wise one who knows everything. You put those two together. Yep. And holy crap. Yeah, and uh, Neil Crompton, Mark Scaife, and of course, um, probably Mark Larkham. I mean, uh, you've got uh, yeah. the, the the serious one, the one with lots of emotion that has the knowledge. Obviously, you've got the one that's been there, and you've got Mark Larkham, who's the uh, the clown prince almost, yeah. but knows exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And that, that's, yeah, that's that's where you get your good teams from. And yep. you, know, you can only find those teams by giving people a go. Well, that's exactly right. Yep, yep. And that's what uh, Rob Janney, uh, Rob Janney would always, and Rob Haggerty would also say to me, he'd say, Sean, the most important thing, this when we're sitting in the, standing in the commentary box, he'd say, Sean, the most important thing is what's going on out there. He said, what's going on inside the four walls of the commentary box is not important. No. You know, he said, you know, you had a good day or a bad day or you, whatever, you stubbed your toe in the shower in the morning. It's not important. What's important is what's going on out there. And, uh, you know, basically talking about what's going on out in the racetrack. And, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly agree with that. <clears throat> and also the diversity of commentary. I think it's, um, you know, uh, I think it's really important to have, uh, to have a female commentator, if not to have female commentators, mm. you know. Um, they bring a magnificent uh, dynamic, and I say they, I say both sides, both uh, genders bring, a, you know, their own dynamic. But, yeah, rather than all being about uh, male-dominated um um, coverage or sport, I think it's important to have the uh, the female commentators in there as well. And I mean, you look at the likes of um, uh, of uh, Jess. Um, I just uh, lost the name there. Uh, Jess Dane. Jess Dane. <laughs> Who exactly. was our fiftieth episode guest? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Like so knowledgeable. Um, but yeah, you you do need your ladies. Absolutely. Yep. Now. Um so you, you've already answered by what was your first foray into commentating? Yeah. Um, when you went across the motorplex, what was one of the first? What was your first deal there? Was it were you straight into like the big shows or no? Not no no. It was um, quite funny actually. Um, uh, I did a whoop ass Wednesday, so I was very privileged. Uh, and they, they gee, they looked after me big time. They allowed me to be the third person on the whoop ass Wednesday, who just followed them around and watched what they did, and maybe said a little bit here or there. Um, but the experience was just amazing. So yeah, I started with whoop ass Wednesday. Um, I did, I think, probably my first. Um, of the big shows was probably the one, I think it's probably the burnout monster ball 
one of Burnout Boss, for instance, and uh, the start of the season. I did some time on that, which was really, really good, along with uh, Chris and uh, Jack Greenway. Um, and then I think um, later on in this, basically in my second, no, no, you, no, I, incorrect. No, in my first season, that's right. J Mac did start to incorporate me into the main, uh, into the main commentary, uh, doing a lot of group threes. And I mean, I must admit, even in my first season, uh, J Mac on the roster gave me the opportunity to do uh, some top door slammers, for instance. I remember calling a John Zapier pass in my first year of commentary, and it was just like, wow, I had to pinch myself. Um, so no, you're right. I was um, so I did start with Whoopass Wednesday, but uh, I was into everything. They uh, just invited me into everything, to the nationals, you name it, yep. and to have input into that, which was just the, the dream come true. Have you done motivation? I should know the answer to this, but motivation. Have you done any of the motivations? Just the once I did work, and that was the very first year. Um, the second, uh, yeah, what well, should I say? Uh, so the first year I was part of motivation. I was going to say first year of. Uh, Motivation that that goes back to Richie Hallett's uh, in in Nappy's days. Yeah, indeed, yes, that's right. Yeah, no. So, so first year of you being at the motorbike. I should yeah. that that's a better way of correcting it. Exactly. Yeah. So I did uh, the, my very first year, and uh, no, since then I haven't been part of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. It's, um, look, to be honest, I I think you got the better deal not being a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Get to, yeah. get to sit out and enjoy it. And yeah. No, I've watched the guy. Yeah, like the guys and girls doing it, and you know they having to put on you know ten t-shirts and yes. yeah. heaps of hats and run around in them and yep. do all sorts of crazy stuff. And, yeah, exactly. You know, just go along and enjoy the day. Much better. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it is. Yeah, and a great show, motivation, really good uh, outing. There's so much to see on the track and off the track. You know, the uh, the vehicles that turn up. Um, you know, from the collectors and uh, the the. Well, the, the unveilings, for instance, yep. magnificent machinery. Of course, this is motivation, you know, king of motivation, whatever you want to call it. The, the big one was the, the Mighty Boy. Yes. Which uh, everyone was up in arms about because it's not a traditional yes. uh, motivation car, Yep, so to speak. It's, you know, not a done up Holden or yeah, that's true. Ford or something like that. And I know. Even though like last year's was King Cruiser, but that was people's choice. Yes. But, uh, yeah, the judges this year went for the... Yes, Mighty Boy, but that that Mighty Boy was so so well put together. Though. Oh, isn't it just? I th but I think uh, the Mighty Boy, if I'm not mistaken, has an LS engine on board, a Chevy yes. LS engine. So, look, it's part Holden or part Ford. Yep. It's part Holden. <laughs> <laughs> the powerhouse under the bonnet is anyway. Indeed. But yeah, tiny little machine. I mean, but me, very short wheelbase, uh, quite narrow. Um, but gee, yeah, it does a magnificent skid, and it's a lot easier to turn around when it goes up the entry or exit chutes. Yep. You know, compared to uh, I think what. It's called Size Matters, which is a, uh, a stretch limousine that uh, comes down there and does burnouts every now and then. So, yeah, Mighty Boy, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, he had, a, he had an interesting little uh, outing there at one stage when his uh, brake wasn't working on the way back to yeah. the pits. But yeah. uh, all's well. talking about it and somehow I missed it. So. Yeah, all's well that ends well. Indeed. For Indeed. all involved. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think Richie was in the car at the time. Oh, I'm not quite sure. Someone yeah. was in the car. I'm pretty sure from the commentary time. Gotcha. But, yeah. Um, see, so this is another thing you get to Absolutely. stay away from is the, yeah, <laughs> the dodgy moments. Yes. Um, yep. So far, though, in in the few years you've been up at yep. Motorplex, yeah. Do you have a standout memory? Uh, look, it probably. Uh, gee, that that's a darn good question. Um, 
Oh, probably just recently at the, um, you know, some of the, actually one of the basic ones, this might surprise you, is um, when we start the uh, the the main show, which is at 5.30pm, you go through a thing called the, uh, the, trek, the Track Blessing and with a national anthem and actually just standing inside the commentary box, um, Listening to the national anthem and realizing that uh, you're about to uh, uh, to start the show with uh, Stu Bond, that was very special. Apart from that, look, uh, just being uh, doing going back to where it all began from being a spectator and seeing um, Phil Amatina or Peter Zaria, so it might have been actual uh, Damien Oliver, uh, Damien Oliver, uh, Damien uh, Harris, um, who uh, lobbed a uh, 518 kilometre an hour pass over a thousand feet and to be side on watching that go past at 518 kilometers an hour from a standing start over a thousand feet that is just breathtaking and that's that's a memory that you uh, that you remember seeing it go past and looking at the timing boards and seeing 518 kilometers per hour oh yeah love it you know <laughs> uh, that's and that's you know why we love motorsport yeah do you um as a commentator have any sort of superstitions about you know, approaching cars from a certain way. Oh, interesting. Setting up, you know, your microphone or headset or anything like that in a certain way. You... Very interesting. Funny you should say that. Um, not so much with the vehicles. Um, I um, I will have the uh, uh, the headphones on a particular way. So um, how do I describe this? Um, with a microphone that comes down from the earpiece just in front of your mouth, I like that to be um, on a particular side. So I don't like that to be on the side of the person I'm communicating with. That's one of the pretty basic sort of things. Um, I like to get there early. Yeah, I don't like running late, which has happened a few times, uh, one thing or another and or uh traffic or just, yeah, you, you slept in or something. I like being there nice and early. I like to get in there, settle down, feel at home, and I'm like, ha, ah, have a good breath, now I'm ready. Uh, so a couple of those basic superstitions, but as far as the cars and bikes go, nothing at all. No, nothing at all. No, no, no. Do you have a favourite category up there? I mean, it's, yes. This could be a controversial question for some. Could be, yeah, do, do you have a favourite category up there? Uh, funnily enough, I do. Um, it's actually the Supercharged Outlaws. Yep. Um, I, look, could say Top Door Slammers by all means. Uh, just love the Supercharged Outlaws. A, um, a big black belt rotating a, a blower. Um, yeah, the cars are effectively with supercharged outlaws, uh, shall I say, their cutoff point is to not go faster than 6.5 seconds, but that's still extremely quick. You know, that's um, that's the pass of a door slammer that didn't get it exactly perfect. Um, so they're extremely quick. And the appearance of the cars, you know, uh, uh, not only their liveries, but the, uh, the appearance of them is something special. Um, a wide variety of cars in supercharged outlaws. Uh, that's really a category I love. Uh, beyond that, yeah, you, you know, you just keep going upwards and onwards. Having said that, I like the JDs, Junior Dragsters. They're magnificent yep. little uh, single-cylinder machines uh, running on methanol. Over 200 metres, they're faster than a stock standard HSV, and you've got kids in them, and I say kids, young, very mature.
mature boys and girls, maybe uh, you know somewhere between ten and seventeen years of age or sixteen years of age, driving uh, a car that is faster uh, than a, than a stock standard HSV, uh, very impressive. And then you, your other categories like uh, Super Street, for instance, real the sort of cars that I would have driven next to on the way to the track. Um, and to see them uh, out there. And, of course, well, the other thing with Super Street is some of the cars, majority of the cars, are road registered. And uh, you look at the Garbellinis, for instance, they drive the cars to and from the track. Even if it's a, if the racing is the eastern states, they drive the cars there, do the racing, and drive it home. The the uh, the epitome of Super Street, um, but it is uh, it is um, look every category is special, and I love my bikes also. Um, I mean, I guess if if I answer that question, I say, oh, top fuel, yeah, by all means. But I'm someone who understands that drag racing comes in all different categories, and uh, you can have a couple of top fuel cars, yeah, look really good. You know, one gets down there and say six and a half seconds. One sort of something goes wrong, gets down there at ten seconds. If you watch two two supercharged outlaws racing side by side, or two super sedans, and they cross the line within uh, within you know a few feet of the uh, of the line, that's racing. So it doesn't have to necessarily be the fastest and the loudest, just the best racing and the best prepared grade liveries. So yeah, it's a it's a tough category. Very tough category, um, but if I could afford to get into a category, it'd probably be supercharged outlaws. If you were able to call a race, yes, of uh, any driver, yep, any discipline of motorsport, yep, uh, dead or alive. Oh wow! Um, who who would you want to call in a race? Gee, I think I'd probably go back to the days of uh, Larry Perkins, Jimmy Richards. So I'm talking about the Australian Touring Car Championship. Um, um, going back to those days, your uh, your Dick Dick Johnson, John Bow, um, I suppose even. Um, uh, Gricey, Tony Longhurst, those sorts of drivers. Um, yeah, I'd love to do that uh, that era and that category. I'd also love to be doing uh, today's uh, V8 supercars or supercars, Repco supercars. Love to be doing that. Um, uh, of course, the other one, it would be really nice to uh, to do some uh, Western Nationals finals. That'd be another massive coup. Um, yes, there's many, many things I'd love to do. Um, having said that, um, happy to do anything at all. Absolutely you, anything you at all. You had to pick one. Oh, you got me there. Okay. One, 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 one. one. That's all right, the key, yep. word, key number is one, one racer. Oh, just racer, race, not category? One racer in one category. Okay. Yep. Oh, one right. Okay. One racer, one category, one ear. Um, I really like John Bow. So probably be the Australian Touring Cars with John Bow. Yep. Um, the reason I choose John Bow, um, met him a couple of times. Really liked the uh, the gentleman. Uh, think the world of him, and he was such a tough racer, so hard to overtake. Um, yes, yeah, so it'd be, be yeah, John Bow. Uh, there's so many others. I mean, you could look at Formula One, for instance. Would it be amazing to uh, commentate Max Verstappen and uh, and you know, I imagine uh, Daniel Ricciardo uh, when he won uh, Monaco that year to be commentating that one. So. Look, I got a hundred suggestions, but uh, actually, actually, now I think about it, be the, the win of Daniel Ricciardo at Monaco. If I could commentate that race, gone back in time, and uh, commentate of that race, that would be the race. That race, yeah, I'll go 
yeah. bow race. No, yeah, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, mate, so I'm, you, I'm, I'm only giving you one. I, I know, I know, and I'm, 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 I'm and I'm having a dollar each way. I'm trying to stretch this. I know because there's two horses in the race. I want to put a dollar on that one and a dollar on this one. No, simply one. Okay, be Daniel Ricardo Monaco. That particular victory, okay. yeah, you'd have to go with that one for sure. Yeah, right. sorry, John Bow. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, mate. Oh dear. If you um, had any advice for up and coming commentators or anyone that wanted to get into it, how would you? What would you say to them? And how would you tell them to go about trying to get into into commentating? I definitely recommend it to anyone who loves in motorsport, uh, feels that they might have a, a good voice. Um, and someone with just genuine passion for motorsport and commentary, I'd recommend it. I'd say definitely start when you're young. Uh, you look at the likes of uh, Josh Starling, who's just taken the world by storm, at least taken WA by storm in effectively his first season. You know, he's, um, I think he's 19 years of age, along with uh, Josh Graveling there from uh, Alice Springs, also about 19 years of age, first-class commentators. And my advice then would be teamwork, teamwork, teamwork and uh, perseverance and don't get too big um, yeah don't get too big uh, don't be afraid to uh, do your your lower categories um, it's not all about um, it's not all about the, uh, the, the the biggest categories out there and um, research go and speak to the drivers speak to the teams but just have a real passion and uh, as far as getting into it go and knock on the local car club door and um, ask if you can have a go seriously go and knock on the local car club door and it might be something even as simple as a uh, a car show i'm not saying coffee and cars but a uh, a smaller car show for instance where uh, if you have a knowledge or you have a passion for it um let's say there's a, a little, let's just say a uk car club that might mm. be based somewhere for instance with your austins and all those sorts of cars your morrises and so on and if you if you've got a passion for that thought, sort of thing go and ask the organizers could you pick up the microphone and go and interview some of the owners of the cars. Something like that, like walk up to an owner that's sitting next to his car in his fold-up chair and, G'day, mate. My name's Sean, but, you know, tell us about your car and this sort of thing. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about your pride and joy and all sort of thing. How long you owned it and all sort of thing. So uh, have that sort of enthusiasm. Um, and also the other thing is um, the really important thing, when you talk, smile. Whenever you speak, smile because it'll what come you out in your you, voice. Can you tell when I'm like frowning? Exactly. So well, you trying, certainly can. So we're trying to say I'm frowning right now. You certainly, you certainly can. <laughs> you know, don't know what you're on about, but yeah, no, it definitely <laughs> does make a difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, when I commentate, sometimes I might look like the Cheshire Cat because I'm just loving what I'm seeing. That I want to um, portray that to those that may not be able to see what I'm seeing. Um, you know, bring the the magic and the the fun and the enthusiasm and the excitement um, into it as you see it. And I think that's another thing with um, with commentators is you don't have to necessarily be a former racer or be a current no. racer. Not at all. I mean, I noticed like if you look at uh, cricket commentators, they're all former cricketers. Football commentators are all former uh, football commentators. But uh, motorsport, some of the best footy commentators though. Yep. 
We're not footy players. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, you look at uh, I mean Bruce McAvaney playing a little bit of amateur football yeah. um, in but South Australia, but he's mainly a racing uh, horse racing committee. commentator. Yeah, well, he played some football. Actually, funny, I could keep going about this. Dennis Committee <laughs> played football at West Perth. Um, he coached West Perth. He was pretty good, and um, he. Yeah, had, you're not talking about like AFL, where you know the. They've had their bums wiped for well. That's that is true. And all that sort of stuff. That you know, is true. Yeah, talking that, about that is true. And uh, yeah, I, was, I could go on with that Dennis Committee story. A couple of very funny ones about him. Yeah, no, let's not but, go there. No, indeed, not no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say always uh, smile when you speak and just love what you're doing um, and portray it. You know, speak about it, talk about it, encourage others to love about it, uh, encourage others to love it, and to uh, to tell people what you see in it. Um, but yeah. Just don't be afraid to have a go. And uh, look, you'll find, and the one another thing you'll find, there'll be people who'll tell you you're the worst person. They'll tell you how bad you are and all that sort of thing. But for every one person that will knock you down, there are 10,000 people that will give you the benefit of the doubt and give you a go. And, you know, I've, I've come across maybe three two to three people that have uh, gone out of their way to hold me back from what I'm doing. Now, I'm not saying 30,000 people um, are on my side, but I am saying for those three people, there's a massive there's a thousand of people that will give you the benefit of the doubt and give you a genuine go. I Now, I've, I have bagged out football commentators. <laughs> commentators used to play football a little bit. Yeah, but I must have to say, Carl Langdon, though, yeah. as a commentator, motorsport Isn't commentator as well. Isn't he brilliant? Yeah, absolutely it's, brilliant. Oh, and, uh, oh. Yeah, back back in the 90s and, and the and the noughties. Yes. Um, at um, Claremont. Yes. Um, you know, of course, was, uh, yeah, the, the Con and Carl show. Yep, indeed. Um, yep. And, yeah, so I do, I do have to say there is that, the, the few exceptions to the rule and, yep. yeah, Carl is one of those people. Um, I know last last episode with Chris, I was struggling to remember Carl's name. Yep. Um, and I was doing it again just then. So you know, good old Doctor 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 Google. Carl Landon, uh, yes. Helped out with uh, reminding me of who uh, who his name again. Yes. Um, my God, his name's you know on the on the tip of the tongue. But- yep. Yeah, but you're right. He hasn't uh, wasn't exactly a racer. Probably involved in uh, in cars and motorsport, or just that, had that love it. I guess I'm not sure how he got the opportunity to uh, join Con. But gee, he's he's a really good speedway commentator, as Carl Langdon. Really yeah. good. The excitement and enthusiasm in his voice. Um, but yeah, you don't have to be a former racer. Uh, just absolutely love it. Get out there and do it. And as I say. Plenty of people knock you. Oh, what would you know? Um, but uh, the other thing is with commentary is that um, a lot of the racers who become commentators may not be able to relate to the spectators. Yeah. Now, if a spectator becomes a commentator and they take that spectator's point of view and they commentate as a spectator, that is really infectious to the spectators. Now, there are some people who just want to hear stats and figures and all that sort of stuff, and that's where you know, you know, somebody who really knows what they're talking about. But sometimes some of the, the spectators who are listening, they just want to hear things sound good and sound – they want to hear people that are commentating that sound like they want to be there. They want to hear people, you know, commentating with a smile on their face. Rather yeah. than just going through the motions, they want you to they – they, they want you to be there and uh, to bring that enthusiasm and excitement of that particular sport to them. So when are you next behind the mic? Very good question. Actually, uh, I'll be. It'll actually be in July. Um, 
up in uh, Darwin, July the... I think it's July the 15th and 16th. And then down in Alice Springs the following week, I think it's July 24th and 25th in Alice Springs. So we've got the uh, the top end nationals and then the uh, Central Australian nationals uh, come nice. up in July. And uh, after that, it'll be uh, probably have to wait until we get back to uh, Perth Motorplex in September for All Pass Wednesday, which we start on the first Wednesday of uh, September religiously. Of course, you're going to be heard every week on the... Looking uh, forward to it, Shane. The, uh, the, our, our weekly update yep. of motorsport. Yep. Uh, Shane and Sean. Shane and Sean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we need, we need to think of a good name for that show because... Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. Yes, but exactly. For now, it could be the weekly weekly, up, weekly dribble. Exactly. We'll kind of call it, we should, actually, that's it. We should call it the weekly oil leak. Oh, nice. Like yep. that. Yep, the weekly oil leak. Like that. Geez, yeah. you're good with these names. Yeah, let's go weekly oil leak. All right. All right. All right. Well, we're, going to be, we're actually going to uh, jump off and record that episode <laughs> shortly. So exactly. I don't know if you guys uh, pop along. But look, um, thank you very much for coming and joining and having a chat. Thank you, Shane. Um, I... I think yeah no we've asked all our usual questions I just had to go go through my brain and just make sure we've we've ticked all those boxes that we ask all our all our guests and um, yeah look forward to uh, well dribbling crap about motorsport with you every week and uh, of course you know when you're back behind the in the commentary booth at uh, Perth Motorplex and uh, I'm sure we'll see you. Probably on TV or something with the, <laughs> the, red, red, the uh, Nationals and that up in uh, Darwin and... Um, yeah, Alice Springs. Alice Looking Springs. forward to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's going to be great fun. I got to do it last year and do it again this year. It's going to be really good fun. Fantastic. Well, thank you everyone again for listening. Make sure you get on to behindthesport.net. Um, check out all the new cool little social features you can do, you know, uh, hot or not, so you can... You know, is the, is the AU bumper really hot or not? And uh, anyone who says not um, is not a true motoring enthusiast because the front end of the AU, absolutely sexy and hot. And on that note, going to finish the podcast. Uh, stay tuned and uh, back next week. Bye-bye. Shane here from Behind the Sport. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. If you don't already follow us, head on over to Facebook and Instagram. Find us on there, give us a follow, or visit our website behindthesport.net, catch up with the latest motorsport news, find all of our previous episodes, and of course you can leave us comments on those as well. You can also find us on your favourite podcast provider such as Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes and more. Thanks for listening, we'll catch you next time.